There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm Gino Retta. I've spent over four decades working in the game of hockey, fortunate enough to meet some of the great characters of the game. Saw them come into the league, watched them shine in the game, and now they've moved on to life after hockey. And the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Today, we're joined by a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Still holds the NHL record for most penalty minutes in a single season. One of the most feared fighters in the NHL back in the 70s and maybe all time. A key member of the Broad Street Bullies during the Philadelphia Flyers back-to-back Stanley Cup championships in 1974 and 75. He's Dave the Hammer Schultz. Dave, welcome to the show. It is great to chat with you. You and I have never had a chance to talk before. Welcome. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. Just as we were firing up, you were telling a funny story about, I was teasing you about the technology of this. Why don't you tell our audience what you were saying? Well, until I was nine years old, when we moved back to to Waldheim, Saskatchewan, where I was born, uh, I lived on a farm. Uh, No running water, no electricity, and no... uh, uh, no, nothing. Okay. Uh, no indoor plumbing. So it was, uh, you know, I often think that that's why when people say, come on, I, I'm supposed to know this stuff. I, I mean, I wasn't even, there wasn't even electricity when I was a kid. So, but I'm learning it. You are. And, and, uh, most of the guests that I have on this show, uh, we've had Marty Brodeur on the show and we've had like, uh, uh Pat LaFontaine and Mike Modano, uh, Eric Lindros. We've had a lot of guys on the show who, who I was a broadcaster and watching them play and actually was involved in their NHL entry drafts and stuff. But you're one of the guys that as a kid, I got to watch. And I've had, you know, a number of guys of your era, Serge Savards and guys who I really had a chance to watch you come into the league. So this is, this is really good for me to have a chance to talk to you because, um, as a hockey fan, I watched you play and I watched you do some incredible things. Just to remind our audience, um, you came into the NHL shortly after expansion. So we saw the NHL go from the original six to completely exploded to double the size. All of a sudden, it was an opportunity for a lot more players to get involved. But then the whole mentality of the approach, because before you your era of coming to the league, if you had five or six of the best players, best skilled players of the game, you're going to win the cup. That's why the Habs kept winning. That's why the Leafs kept winning. That's why these teams. But but in your era, it was much more about building a team. Explain to our audience what that was like for you as a young hockey player coming into a league where all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Now I feel like I can be a part of this because there's more opportunity for more players with different skill sets. What was that like for you? Well, uh, again, we, uh, the, the expansion from 6 to 12 
uh, gave a lot more guys an opportunity. I was drafted by the Flyers in 1969. So I'd played uh, three years of junior, uh, Swift Current, and, and then for last year in Sorel, Quebec. Anyway, um, and so I, but I spent three years in the minor leagues. My whole life changed. I mean, I never had a, a fight on the ice uh, in, in junior hockey. I was, in fact, the last year I scored 50 goals um, in about 80 games, uh, including playoffs. As I, um, I was playing with Sorel Quebec, the Sorel Blackhawks, and we went to the finals against the junior Canadians. Anyway, so I, I go to Flyers training camp, and and uh, Keith Allen, the general manager, felt I needed a little bit more or whatever. And so he sent me to Salem, Roanoke, Virginia, um, and uh, uh, in the Eastern Hockey League. And that's where I played my first year, and I, I scored 32 goals, but I also got 300 and almost 400 minutes in penalties, and that's when I started fighting. Uh, it was crazy, and it kind of just uh, continued on for the next uh, 11 years. You know, the Flyers needed – they were draft. They were uh, uh, an expansion team, so they, they needed – uh, it's, it was going to take a while uh, for the Flyers to to build a, a team. And, and of course, uh, in, in the same year I was drafted, Bobby Clark was. And that was a key to the Flyers' uh, future. And uh, me and Don Selesky and a few other guys got drafted the same year. And um, so it was going to take a while. And, and when, when uh, Mr. Snyder... Saw some of the team, some of the things that were going on in the in in how they beat up the Flyers. He said, "You know, we might not be able to score all you know goals like some of these other teams, but we can certainly uh, um, beat up other guys if that's what was needed necessary." Because he did not want to see that type of intimidation. And again, it was the St. Louis Blues that really did it. Um, yeah. uh, Noel Picard or somebody. Anyway, um, so. Um, Anyway, I finally made the Flyers in 72, 73. And things worked real well. You had your rookie season. <laughs> you earned you earned your stripes. You earned your ice time. You earned an opportunity to play on the team. Yep. And then just your second year in the league, you guys are ripping it up. And you end up winning the Stanley Cup in just year two, and then you win again in year three. At that point, it was real easy. The NHL was easy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, right. Did you feel like that? <laughs> I, anyway, I mean, just so you know, I mean, I hated fighting. That's not something I wanted to do. I thought I was, I was a pretty good hockey player with the Swift Current Broncos um, and then Sorrell. But uh, I, again, I, I got in a fight my first game in the Eastern Hockey League. I got in a fight my second game, and uh, it just continued. I mean, there was always guys trying to intimidate your teammates, and uh, I would stand up to those guys, and it, it continued. So, uh you know, we we developed a, a great hockey team. We had we had an unbelievable team with Clarky, Billy Barber, Bill Flett the first years, and then and then Reggie Leach, um, you know Ed Van Imp and Joe Watson and Jimmy Watson. We we had just had a great team. Rick McLeish was a, our Rick first McLeish. fifty goal scorer, great player, uh, one of the best skaters to play in the game. So um, yeah, we. Uh, we won a lot of games and and uh, with the two championships. Then we lost in the finals in in game in the third season in seventy five seventy six, and um, we didn't have Rick McLeish playing with us, and we didn't have Bernie Perrant in the Nets. So uh, you know they beat us. Uh, they beat us anyway, and uh, a lot of people in the hockey world were happy. 
I mean, people have heard the term the Broad Street Bullies flown, uh, thrown out there, and you were a huge part of that, obviously. You, you were playing in the city of Philadelphia, which just loved this kind of work attitude, the blue collar, go out there and muck it up and work. What was it like for you to be playing in that city with the label, the Broad Street Bullies, and you, Dave the Hammer Schultz, I mean, did you ever have to buy a drink anywhere or ever have to buy a meal anywhere or were you look as a local hero all the time? Well, yeah, we, we, uh, the fans were great for us. I mean, yeah. they, they, uh, they fell in love with us. Uh, I mean, two, 2.1 million people showed up for the parade in 74, um, and, and which is now 50 years th this season. So uh, we're going to celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of the, of the first Stanley Cup this year. And, um, so yeah, the the fans took to us. I mean, we were playing exciting hockey. We were playing good hockey. We were winning because we had great talent and we had a great goaltender in Bernie Perrant. Um, yeah. So yeah, they, they they fell in love with us, and and it's been a, a wonderful ride there actually ever since. And it's now fifty years since we won that first cup. I and I should point out that you didn't just drop the gloves during that era in, in the, the first season you won the cup, you scored 20 goals and you had 36 points. Uh, you'd be worth like $15 million a year. If you could score 20 and lead the league in fighting dough. Yeah, beats beats 50,000. <laughs> no, no yeah. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. tough. It was it, it, you, you also went through sadly the, the difficulty of, uh, of a rough time, where the PA was run by somebody who maybe should not have been running Alan. No Eagles. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell, go ahead. Go ahead. Jump in there. Well, I mean, you know, can I say, I can say his name. What's he going to do? In fact, I like to see him. I like to yeah. toss him around a little bit. Alan Eagleson. Um, again. Yeah. He was indicted on what? 80 counts. I don't know. But uh, so, but again, understanding, you know, it, it was expansion. The same time the WHA came in when I, in 72, 73. And so it, it helped our increase our, what we were making. Uh, our, our contracts was still wasn't much, you know, as compared to today. But, um, you know, we just, uh, that, we didn't play for money. We played for the love of the game. And, and uh, um, you know, we played to win. I mean, Bob Clark is a great leader as ever been in sports, any sport. Uh I mean, he's got a lot of company, but on the other hand, he was he was the best, and, and uh, we and Fred Shearer was a great coach. Um, you know, there's been a lot of things said about Freddie. Uh, anyway, if it wasn't for Fred, he liked a tough team, and of course, he he makes comments. You know, well, my players like to fight, so I let them. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> anyway, well, maybe that's true, but um, I didn't like to fight, but I did. Uh, I did it, and. Um, you know, then unfortunately for me, I got I got traded. Uh, you know, in seventy uh, beginning of seventy six. Speaking of nineteen seventy six, you guys are the defending Stanley Cup champs. It's one of the the craziest moments in hockey history that I remember. You're playing the Soviet Red Army. Yes, which was I mean, it was the ultimate good versus evil back then in the seventies. For our for our younger audience, this this wasn't when they were Russia. This was the Soviet Union. And nobody really understood. We had seen in the 72 Summit Series a little bit of a hint of what they were capable of doing. And then we understood their Red Army was supposed to be this big machine that was supposed to terrify people. And they come and play the defending cup champion, the Philadelphia Flyers. 
for our audience and maybe doesn't recall, remind our audience what happened in that game with you guys. Well, it, it was uh, the, the the Red Army team. There was two teams. It was the the Soviet Wings. They played four other teams, but this Red Army played four teams in the National Hockey League and beat the first two and uh, tied Montreal three three. And then they had to come see the Flyers. Um, so there was a lot of hype to the game, and uh, uh, you know we. <laughs> Every, a lot of people wanted us to that that at, prior to that did not want us uh, didn't like us because of our kind of rough style and, and winning ways. But we, um, uh, you know, we we a lot of people were pulling for us in that game, uh, even Canadians. Uh, and uh, anyway, at about the 17 minute mark of the th- first period, Ed Van M came across the ice and just nailed Karmalov, their star. And he went down, and and uh, I, I guess we were hitting too much. We were playing too rough, <laughs> and so they they called the players off the ice. The team, the Soviets went into the dress room, and of course, Ed Snyder, uh, Mr. Snyder, came down there and said, uh, you know, if they don't come back out, we're not, they're not getting paid. And uh, they came back out, and we went on to we played. We beat them four to one. I was shot them forty to thirteen. Um, again, were they uh, a little intimidated? I don't know. They, they had a great team, but they, their style—they like the circle in the in the in the between the blue lines. And, and our coach Fred Sherowitz studied the, so, the Russian uh, way of play, and he said, "Just stand on the blue line, and when they when they come there, hit them." And we did, and uh, so we uh, yeah we we dominated that game. It's one of the the craziest calls in NHL history. Obviously you were in the game. Did you ever go back and look at the video of it? Cause my favorite, the favorite call was when they, when they, when we realized what was going on, that they were leaving the ice, they're going home. They came here. They can't handle it. They're going home. The Russians are yeah. going, the Soviets yeah. are going home. Did you ever There's go back be, and look at that video? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, but there, there, there's a guy in this area making a uh, documentary on, on that game. So we, I don't know, it won't be out for another year or so, but I uh, uh, look forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's one of the great calls of all time. Now, I should point out that the NHL, um, we've had a number of rule changes in the NHL, and you were, you have a rule named after you, the Schultz rule, when <laughs> when they uh, they banned taping of hands under their gloves. Tell yeah, all like- about that. I, I put tape on my hand, on my right hand only, uh, you know, between, be, before the, before I went out for the game, uh, you know, I didn't wear, put it on there in, in warm-up, um, and it was just to protect my hand, you know, mm-hmm. in case I hit a guy on the head, and uh, so, so we're, we're playing in Montreal, and game of the week, whatever, and uh, Van Boxmer, they brought him up from uh, Nova Scotia, I guess, and um he stuck a stick between my legs, and I just brought my glove and just nailed him, and, and he went down, and and that's that's where the the, the Schultz rule came in. You can't have a, a foreign substance on your hand, and if you yeah. hurt someone, you you get a game misconduct. So yeah, How- the rule the rules have come a long way since then. Yeah, it's changed dramatically. What was it like for you? Because I mean, you played for the Flyers, the Kings, the Pens, the Sabers. At some point, you're going to face former teammates whose expectations on their side is the same thing. And you had a job to do. How hard was that to drop the gloves and go after a teammate? 
The worst was was my first game back in Philadelphia with the Los Angeles Kings. We were playing uh, the Fires here and 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 in in Philly and and Paul Holmgren, who really in essence probably uh, was the guy that replaced me. Uh, he was a big, strong, good hockey player, and because uh, he he'd been in the game forever uh, since then. But yeah, Paul, I get in a fight with Paul Holmgren. He actually had. Uh, a shield on his on his uh, helmet. Uh, I think he had a, a, a slight eye injury or something. And anyway, it was the worst. I I'll never uh, that that was not fun facing. Again, it wasn't that, that I played against him or with him, I should say. But um, you know, it, it was uh, it was always I hated playing the Flyers. Yeah. Uh, it's it's difficult because it's like our audience says they're listening to you, and I mean I got to see you play during an era where that was the expectation and you had to do it to win and, and it worked. You ended up winning two Stanley Cups because of it. If you guys weren't the tough physical team that you were, you wouldn't have won those Cups, let's be honest. But there's also a side of you that keeps coming up now in this conversation I've seen in the past. You you were not, it's not like you said, I want to go out there and fight. I And this is really important. You wrote an article for the New York Times Um you know, I think probably six or seven years after you set the NHL record for most penalty yeah. minutes. And I think you, it was kind of subtitled a letter to your six-year-old son, Chad. Yeah. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that and why that was important to you? What you said in that letter? Well, I, I'm not sure he, he totally understood, but, uh, and then just on that note, I am writing a book that will be out uh, in uh, the fall of 2025 okay. and where I'm going to, Way better explain uh, what I, what all my thoughts that were going through my my, my mind, uh, why I fought, how I you know all those kind of things, and uh, but so it was just just to to state to Chad that uh, you know it's part of the game. I I forget exactly how I I still have that letter actually. Can um, I read I, a portion I, of it? and You can react to it. Do you mind if I read a portion of it? Sure. This these Go are your words. Um, while you were going through that and you had a, a six-year-old son, Chad, and you wrote, and I quote, I wanted desperately to be a good, clean player just as I had been in junior, but it wasn't to be. I was branded a goon and there was no turning back. After my 20-goal year with the Flyers, I prayed that Freddie Shiro would acknowledge my value as a scorer and allow me to forsake the fighting, but he wouldn't have any part of it. The Flyers were winning with an accent on bullyism, so why should they tamper with success? As you hear those words, as you remember back on those words, reflect on that for me. Well, let me first state the reason that fighting has been in hockey, and again, st still the odd time, it was to was for players to to uh, um, protect themselves. Right. Uh, if someone ran one of my players and tried to take his head off, I was going to go and fight him. So, so it it it. You know, a lot of players didn't play as dirty or, or like to, you know, when you when you're intimidated, uh, and any player can be intimidated, you, you don't play as well. And uh, so when teams try to intimidate players, try to intimidate our 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 best players, um, someone had to, uh, you know, and throw the hockey. That that's the way it was, and uh, so. You know, trying to explain that is not is not easy, uh, because people uh, you know just think all oh, you know, I wanted to do was fight. I didn't want to ever fight. 
I never ever said to a guy, you want to go? I wasn't going to tell him. I, was, I didn't want to go anyway, but I wasn't going to tell him that. And now he's now he's ready ready for me, waiting for me. Anyway, so uh, it, it was a, a, it's a, you know, they still have, the, the you can still fight the National Hockey League and hit. Uh, it's not as prevalent. And again, a lot of the reasons that the rules was, was to um, prevent injuries. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. You made an important distinction between saying, you talk about the difference between fighting and being violent. It, it very for many. It seems like it's the same thing, but in your mind, it's different, isn't it? Well, people would say, uh, you know, he, he's violence in hockey. Then they show a picture of me fighting. I mean, I, I'm serious. I never use my stick. I didn't want anybody to use it on me. Okay. I, I, I had, in, in all of the, my eight years in the National Hockey League, I had eight stitches, and that's when I fell against the boards. Uh, I've never had a, 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 I've never had an operation on anything. Anyway, uh, maybe maybe I should have gone on my brain, but uh, so so um, uh, you know, it, it, violence is is when you're using your stick, or, or or punching a guy, or or you know taking advantage of a guy, running a guy into the boards, and that they're, they're you know, they've got rid of all of that. Most of it, you get you get suspended. I never got. I, you know what? I got suspended for one time, automatic suspension, playing at Boston, and I and Terry O'Reilly, who I fought nine times, grabbed my hands down in a, down by my wrists. Well, how, how was I supposed to hit him? I, so I headbutted him, <laughs> and I got suspended for three games. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean the the. The way it was, the game was played was they had guys who would protect the, your better players. Yeah. I would imagine, though, for you, because you've got this, um, you know, I did what I had to do. I didn't like doing it. I was asked to do things that I didn't enjoy doing, yet it was successful, so I had to keep doing it. To me, it sounds like you're, you're being pulled. I wonder what that would have been like for you emotionally as you're going through that, I think you mentioned in the book that you wrote, uh, I want to say back in the early eighties, yeah, where you talked about how hard it was to sleep at night 
when you knew what was coming the oh, next yeah. day? Yeah, I mean, I knew that that uh, because it be, became uh, it was expected of me. If some guy ran one of our guys, particularly at, on, on this is on home ice, and and the fans were going, okay, when Schultz going to go get go after him? And I, there was other guys too, Bob Kelly and Dupont, and uh, a lot of our guys could could fight if they had to, but. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's what, uh, uh, it just became expected and I had, and I didn't want to lose. I didn't want to ever, my biggest fear was getting a real punch to the face and it would really affect me. Never, that never happened. Uh, I certainly, uh, didn't win a lot of, a lot of the different fisticuffs that I got involved with, but, um, I was. I had to be game. I had to be ready, and that was the toughest part. And I even scored some goals in between. You did score. You scored a lot of goals. Quite frankly, for a guy who was expected to do everything you could, um, I had Chris Nyland on the show a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah. And he and he kind of he shared a lot of similar stories. And he said that the way he ended up having to deal with it was by taking painkillers, and and then it became an addiction to painkillers and. Um, Guys, the guys that go through stuff that you have have some battles with addiction, and you've had your own personal battles to the extent that yeah. you're willing to share. Can you tell us what you went through and how you? Well, once, once I retired, okay, it became very difficult for me. And I, 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 not that I never drank any beer, but I started drinking, uh, and I drank way too much. And uh, I, you know, finally. I, I never, I was never into the drug scene or anything like that. But I, I did, uh, I did drink a lot, and um, actually, almost 14 months ago, I haven't had a drink since. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, it, it's been, again, I, I should have did this 20 years ago, but I did it at age 73. Uh, so it, it's been wonderful uh, since then, and. and uh, Never being hung over and all those kind of things, and, and uh, uh, so finally, you know, uh, I'm gonna when I when I die, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be in sobriety. I am so happy to hear that because I didn't know and I didn't know how to broach the topic, but I thought I had oh, to do that. Yeah, that I that gives me such great joy to hear that you're on the good end of this. What, what was the turning point for you? You say it was, you, you mentioned you had to wait till you're in your seventies till you, till you made that decision. And now you've been 14 months clean and sober, which is amazing. What was it that got you to make that decision and what's keeping you there? Um, I don't know. Actually, actually the national hockey league really, really t- watches a lot of guys and, and they have people in, involved with our association, players' association, um, that uh, that they'll they'll get the help, uh, and you can talk with. Um, and I did that. And uh, remember, if you recall, Todd Fedoric. Yeah, yeah, very. He's well. now doing the he's doing radio for the for the Flyers now, color, and uh, he he's had he had his own bouts with uh, sobriety and and of course he's way younger than me and and he, he we, we talked a number of times at different events anyway he he's the one that said he called me up one day he says you ready i said yep i said where are we going he says and he took me up to into pennsylvania for uh for rehab for 28 days and um so it was i i thank todd all the time he was 
great guy. And and uh, again, he 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 knows. He knew what what I was going through. So um, that's how it happened. And and I'm so glad. Again, one of the things I guess that really made it worse was COVID. Uh, I mean, I never got COVID. I've never had COVID, but uh, I would sit, you know, I, I live on the water down by the Jersey Shore, and I would sit and look outside, and, and you know, the, the government was saying, don't move, just sit there. Well, you know, I, I listened to them too much. I, you know, uh, again, I, I still went out to eat and stuff like that, but um, that's, uh, it, you know, I, was, I started to drink a little bit more, and I was only drinking wine the last 12 years. Anyway, the bottom line is, yeah, I'm I'm a happy camper. That's amazing. Can I can I ask you to do something? And if you feel comfortable with this, do it. If you don't, that's fine too. When when Chris Nyland shared this story, he kind of sent a message to other players out there, and maybe even just you know people who never played the game who who may be experiencing similar struggles. If you had an opportunity to speak to somebody who may be going through right now what you were going through 15 months and previous to that, what would you say to them right now? Go to AA. They got the greatest program in the world. Um, and, and it wasn't, if it wasn't for, in fact, I, I said after I came out of rehab, uh, it, the toughest part is not going to be here in rehab, but when I get out and I went to meetings four five, six times a week and, uh, I don't, I don't go as often anymore, but, um, their program um, uh, got me through, and and uh, again, it's amazing. But the stories you hear from these guys who who have been in in, in uh, um, sobriety for a number of years, uh, how grateful they are that that this program. And you know, I, I'm, my sons are are. are uh, I wouldn't. I'd still be married if it wasn't for for my drinking. You know, I've been divorced for a long time, and uh, I have two sons, and and they have uh, they have kids. Um, anyway, my oldest son had his daughter die at age nine uh, from a brain tumor four years ago. So that that was a tough part. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm I'm a happy camper, and 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 if you want what I have, go to AA. Well Alcoholics said. Anonymous. You mentioned, and I want to get back to this because I think it's very important. You mentioned that uh, you are now writing another book. You wrote one in in the early well, Maybe yeah. people have misunderstood. I think it created some conflict between yourself and Bobby Clark. And uh, yeah, he didn't care. <laughs> how? Me, why was it important to write another book? And how is this going to be different? Or what kind of things are going to be in there that we need to know about? Well, it's it's going to be entirely different. Okay, I'm going to write my, I mean, Stan Fischler, with no disrespect to him, he, he wrote the, the book in 1980, one, I guess, and, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't my, my thoughts, or I wouldn't have said things that, those ways, and, and it was a very small part. Again, this is now 50 years later, or 40 years, 45, whatever. And you're a different person now. Yeah, and, and uh, but I want to, I want to explain uh, to the best of my ability, I have a great writer, uh, Dan Robson, who who is out of Toronto. Uh, he's he wrote um, he's written a number of sports books, and um, uh, one is uh, Malar- uh, Clint Malarchuk, who Clint Malarchuk, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so I want to explain why what happened to me. 
Yeah. I mean, people back home, they'd go like, what's wrong with this guy? What happened to him? And, and I, you know, I, I grew I, I was born in Waldheim. I grew up for a few years there. I mean, it was a very, very religious town. It was there's five churches and no bars in, in Waldheim. Uh, it's about 30 miles north of Saskatoon. So I want to explain all that stuff. And, right. and, and so people can understand, uh, you know, I, I, the book is called um, Hammered by Life. And in many ways, I've been hammered. My, that's my, you know, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me, but hopefully I can, if somebody will read that book and, and get something from it, just like me talking here today, if, if that can help someone, um, awesome. That's what it's all about. Good for you. We look forward to doing that. And when, yeah. when it comes out, we'll certainly talk about it here. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, we certainly will. Uh, before you take off, yep. um, I want to I want to ask you five fast facts. Again, it gives us little insights uh, about what's going on. So I'll ask you five quick questions. And you give me five brief answers. Okay. You ready okay. to go? All right. Time now for five fast facts with Dave the Hammer Schultz. Who was the best teammate that you ever played with? Oh boy, uh, I'm gonna. I'll just say Rick McLeish. The best coach you ever played for? Oh, Fred Shiro by far. Who did you hate playing against the most, and why? Uh, the Boston Bruins, and I fought Terry O'Reilly nine times. I wanted to fight some of his other guys, smaller guys, and he'd jump right in the middle. <laughs> I get that. Well, who was your favorite NHL city to play in? Oh, well, I will tell you, Mon I'll, I'll say Montreal, although I never played very much. Uh, in fact, when, when, when Fred Shearer would, when Cornway came on the ice, Fred Shearer would say, come off. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't keep up to him. But, but the form was, the form, Montreal form. You know, I, yeah. was, I was a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, uh, and my brother Ray was a Montreal Canadian fan. But, uh, awesome. yeah, Montreal. If you hadn't become an NHL player, what do you think plan B was for a career for you? Well, I would hope I would have gone to college. I was very good with, with in math, so I, I'd have been maybe an engineer or, or something like that. Awesome. Dave, it, uh, listen, I, I've got to tell you, the turning point for me in this entire interview was it was great to hear your insights, but and I dealt with it with trepidation because I didn't know where it was going to go, but to hear that you've been now 14 months sober. Yeah. I am so happy for you. It looks like you can't wipe the smile off your face. Yeah, I yeah. am so glad that things are going so well for you. And I look forward to, to reading your book and getting a lot of insights into stuff that now you can reflect back yes. in the way you do. Thank you so yeah. much. I thank the National Hockey League uh, PA or, or alumni for, for helping me through my, uh, through my uh, journey. Thank you, sir. Okay, thanks. Two-time Stanley Cup champion and now sober, which is the best news of all, Dave the Hammer Schultz. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven and Athletes Care. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot premium pizza and wings, a pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, local bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven will have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating their 25th year offering sports medicine services to both elite athletes and the general population who require rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain. 
Go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcast, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa.